Black Men Cry Too is an invitation for men of color to feel safe to share their truth and unpack their hurt. This space was created for black men to feel empowered and know it's okay that they can cry too. Support for Black Men Cry Too comes from NYC's Heritage of Pride. Thank you so much, NYC Pride, for selecting us for your give back so we can encourage Black men to know that it's okay, that they can cry too. Another dope sponsor we have for this season of Black Men Cry Too is Black-owned Scotch Porter. Fellas, if you want the best products for grooming and wellness, head over to blackmencry2.com and follow the affiliate link for special inventory and special discounts. Let's not forget our special partner for this season, Happy Cork, where you can not only get the best wine and spirits, but you can get the best Black-owned wine and spirits with this Black-owned wine and spirits store in the heart of Brooklyn. Head over to happy-cork.com and let them know Black Men Cry 2 sent you. On this episode of Black Men Cry 2, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Nev today. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yee. So as we typically do, let's kick it off. This is I'm Uncle Nearest. It's a little strong. I never finish it. I never finish it. How you feel? I feel great. Oh, good. I think he's the only one so far who's been able to handle it and not have a reaction. So you have tough skin. I drink a lot. Fair enough. I thought I did too until I started drinking Uncle Nearest and I was like, wow, I'm not built that way anymore. <laughs> but to kick it off, I want to know when you were younger, what was your like knowledge on mental illnesses? Um, when I was younger, I don't know if I had a great like big knowledge on mental illness. I always thought that like, you know, when you were younger, you just use the word crazy all the time. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh man, that's crazy or he's crazy or she's crazy. Um, I don't believe I had too much knowledge about mental illness for the most part. Yeah. And what was deemed crazy? Like when would you use that term? What behaviors would you see that you'd be like, Oh, he's just being crazy. Um, you see people like homeless people on the side of the road, like yelling, talking to himself. You, um, anything that's out of the ordinary, um, you see someone acting out of the ordinary and you just say, you know what? That's, that's crazy. You know, or if they're if people are yelling, <laughs> um, they probably didn't seem actually crazy. But like you say the word crazy because that's the best way you could describe that particular um, characteristic in the, in that point in time. You know, it's like sort of the labeling. Like that was the best description that seemed fit then, since that was kind of all we knew. Yep. And with that, what was like your perception of people that had mental illnesses then? Um, my perception was like, it was kind of like this, I had like sympathy for them or I kind of, I pity them, you know, I, I, I would pity people who would have to go through, you know, a mental illness or whatever it is, you know, like it's definitely different now, but that's how it was when I was a little kid. I think it's interesting and powerful that you use the word pity because I don't think many of us would admit to the fact that that's the feeling that we would have. Mm. Um, Like, of course, we'd want to believe it's empathetic, but then in a sense, you sort of feel it's the um, 
how to sort of say it, like, who I, I feel lucky now, I feel blessed that I don't have that. What about your knowledge back then as a child made you feel pity for people that had to live or living with mental illnesses? The 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 pity part is the the fact that you're going through something that other people don't have to go through. Um, that's like the biggest thing for the pity. Uh, you you feel like since you're going through this, and other people aren't going through this, and they're living their lives, um, in my mind, better, or that's what I used to think. Uh, they're living their lives better than you. I felt pity for them, you know. I think it's almost like the idea that no one can understand what you're going through. So that's why I have pity because how can I, how can someone else, like we're all living this way, and then you have something that's unexplainable in a sense, mm -hmm. and it alters your being. Mm -hmm. but when did you finally, and how did you start educating yourself on what actually mental illnesses are and how common they are? I did not start educating myself on mental illnesses until I got diagnosed myself. Um, yeah, I didn't educate myself at all. And then when I got diagnosed, I, I bought books. I started doing research on Google. Um, I started like going in on research specifically for bipolar because that's what I got diagnosed with. Um, I wanted to know a little bit more about bipolar. I wanted to understand a little bit more by, about bipolar. And so, you know, I did the research so I could go ahead and get that, you know, figured out. How did you end up getting diagnosed being bipolar? Yeah, so um, I had had a mental breakdown. So uh, my first mental breakdown, um, you know, they took me to the hospital. Um, when was it, if you don't mind? Say it again. When was it? When was your first? Um, our first mental breakdown was 2017, the end of 2017. So very frequent. Um, like around October or November. Um, and yeah, so I got diagnosed and I was in the hospital, but then, or sorry, I didn't get diagnosed. I, I was uh, in the hospital and they, um, they didn't give me a diagnosis. They didn't really do much at all for me. It was a little weird. It was very weird that they just allowed me to just leave the hospital and were you there overnight? Say it again. Were you there overnight? I was there overnight and I asked them, I was like, hey, what's up? Like what happened? They're like, you just had an altered you were in an altered state. Altered, That's the way that they described it. They said you're in an altered mental state. And I was like, well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like there's got to be a little bit more to it go, no it's fine you can go home now because an altered state of mind can also be like your edible was a little strong yeah and you tripped out right right so right. they just gave nothing that's all they gave me nothing they gave and me what nothing. was it that moved you to go to the hospital um what did you feel was out of the ordinary like how can someone who doesn't know that they're going through a mental breakdown realize hey this is what's happening right now, and this is what I what I should do next. Yeah, the paranoia was pretty serious. Um, I, in this point in time, so my brother just recently um, went to prison for murder, and so there are a lot of thoughts that are going through my mind of retaliation, and people could be coming after me. 
Um, and so I had a lot of paranoia about my life and I thought my life was in jeopardy. And so, um, all of those things started to build up and I, it's funny, we were just talking about, um, you know, Capricorns and like characteristics of Capricorns, whatever, and how you're extremely creative. Um, I'm extremely creative with stories and I, I, I make stories up in my mind all the time. And so like I was making stories up in oh, my no, head. That's a Capricorn trait. I do that too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, I suppose that that's the thing that we just do, huh? Yeah. Um, I've never been big on um, on signs and everything like that before, um, but should get into it, especially if you're a Capricorn. Maybe Go. maybe you're gonna get me into it. Um, but anyway, um, crap. What was the question again? What was the experience that drove you to go to the hospital? Yeah. So the paranoia, the the paranoia, just was building up more and more and more, and I thought that everyone that was around me was watching me it was kind of like a narcissist type of like <laughs> feeling where i thought like all eyes were on you all the time yeah like i thought everyone was paying attention to me mm-hmm. when like nobody was paying attention to me. <laughs> like, I mean? just minding my business i drink my water <laughs> like everybody's just chilling and i was like what you doing <laughs> what, are you, what are you here for <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like I was just, I asked if you could pass this off, but I guess that's cool. Yeah, it was wild. It was wild. But, uh, but yeah, that's what made me go. It was the, the paranoia that got me to have them call the, the ambulance for me. First, I actually wanted them to call the cops. Who's them? Were you with So them? I was, um, I was in my, my building and I went downstairs to the, um, to the receptionist and I was like, Hey, you got to call the cops for me. And I was like, Oh shit, the cops? Fuck. Like, they're gonna kill me <laughs> i was like and that's a real extreme fear yeah that is valid yeah as a black man in chicago like i was like you know i was living in chicago at the time i was like man like they about to kill me like so i was like fuck i'm like no 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 uh call the ambulance <laughs> did you know to specify to ask for the ambulance because there's a lot of people that actually don't know that fact yeah so i i asked yeah i i did know after Asked them to call the cops. I was like, shit, like, this is not, like, getting the cops the to, to, help, help, me. to yeah. help me is, like, not a good idea. Mm-hmm. And I was like, call the ambulance. Both of them came. And I stepped outside and I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, man, this is the way that I'm going to die. Oh. In my head, that's, that, that's what I was thinking in my head. I was like, man, this is the way I'm going to die. Like, someone's going to shoot me because I'm acting crazy, quote, unquote. Um, luckily, that didn't happen. Um, and they, they drove me to the, um, the hospital on the way to the hospital. They were trying to find out my name. And I said that I don't have a name because I, I, (laughs) I thought that if they had known my name, they could have taken my identity. And like, it was a weird, wild feeling. And yeah, I didn't give them, I didn't want to give them too much, but I was telling them I was paranoid and I was like, you know, experiencing these different things. Yeah. And this was before you were diagnosed. So you were feeling the idea of like, no, I can't give him my name. I can't give him my identity. And this is before that you knew your diagnosis. So since that was your first experience and that sounds like an extreme experience, that alone can scare someone. What happened the second time where you realized, no, I need to go back to the hospital? Same thing. It was paranoia. Um, So I had my second mental breakdown. How Um, soon after the first? It was about three to four months after if i remember correctly 
um, and I was having paranoia at work. Um, I thought that when people were like talk, talking to me in a certain way, they were trying to control me. Um, and I also thought, like, you know, when you, your computer's not working properly, mm-hmm. you're like, that's them. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's them. They're coming for me. <laughs> and I'm like, man, like this is this is fucked up. <laughs> like, like I'm not trying to be caught. <laughs> um, and I suppose that like I have this like very strong desire of being free and being my own person. And so anything that threatens that, um, you know, makes me go into this paranoia, you know, paranoid type of uh, mentality. Um, so yeah, that was that was the second time my my I had a mental breakdown. Um and yeah. And what was the experience at the hospital this time? Were they able to tell you your diagnosis then? That's the first time I was diagnosed. My second mental breakdown, yeah. And what was the experience like? Were they able to explain what these episodes were and like how to identify them and control them? Like was this experience different than the first time? Hundred percent different. Like the first time, I don't know who was working that day. These guys like Somebody needs to be fired. Like, what the fuck? Like, and I, I, I can kind of understand because of the fact that I didn't, I didn't give them a name, and they probably thought that I was just this homeless person that came in and and whatever. But like, even if you were right, it doesn't matter to me that, that I'm like, come on, like come on like that's not the way to treat anybody like you gotta be able to follow through with everyone no matter what you know and so that still thinking about that makes me very sad like still thinking about that like i'm like i'm just like man like this is some bullshit um and the second time the second time they were able to let me know like hey like this is the, th- these are the symptom, symptoms of it. And these are the things that you can do to kind of manage it and whatever it is. And so they, they got me on medication. Um, and so I started taking medication for it and, and I'm on medication now. Yeah. That's a lot to like take in at one. Yeah. To sort of learn something that's life altering. Yeah. What was your initial reaction when they came to you with like, here's the test results, here's your diagnosis? Like first immediate reaction. I was like, man, this kind of makes sense because of what I know about myself, how I know myself to be. I said, you know, this kind of makes sense. But then also you're like, man, I have a diagnosis. <laughs> like, I'm like. Is a medical term for this? Right. I'm like what like <laughs> and then the narcissist side of me is like i am special <laughs> <laughs> you are the chosen one i am special oh my oh my goodness i i know now <laughs> and once you received that information did you share it with anyone or did you keep it a secret um i am pretty open about my um so actually let me take a step back i um when i got diagnosed 
my first time. So I was a, a, uh, a manager at a tech company and I had reps that reported to me. I had about 14 reps that reported to me and I would tell the reps on my team about what was going on. Um, and so then I got diagnosed and then I told the, um, the person that I reported to their, their direct report or their, the person that they reported to. So my, um, my office said, I told him and I told HR at that time. And so I told my, my family members, so my, my, my sister came out to visit me when I was in the hospital the, the first time. So I, I got, I had three mental breakdowns while I was in Chicago. Was it all within one year? Um, about, yeah. So, tw- or no. So 2017, 2018 and 20 middle 2019. Um, so they were kind of like three years and then 2020 was the first year that I didn't have a, a breakdown at all. And this is 2021. I'm hoping, you know, I, I could go through it without like those paranoid thoughts. <laughs> what's a, what's interesting to hear is the fact that 2020 was the year that you didn't experience it while the rest of the world and 2020. So it's wild. Years. It's wild. It's so fucking wild. 2020 was the best year of my life. Do you, I mean, if you want to explain more. 2020 was the best year of my life. I didn't have a mental breakdown. That's extremely important for me. Um, but then also, like, I started to, like, really dive into me mm-hmm. and understand me. Mm-hmm. And that led to me not being at jobs that I wasn't really, like, passionate for. And then also diving into things where I... um. I felt passion for, you know, and like writing, um, starting my own company, um, all that again. stuff. What's it's that? A, I was saying congratulations again. Appreciate it. Thank you. It's almost like the way that I tell people with 2020 is 2020 was a year in itself. But if you can't look at the blessing that was in disguise because it made a lot of people reset and unplug and reflect. So I appreciated hearing that um, as well. But since that was the first year with you not having a breakdown, like what did you learn about your diagnosis, your mental illness, and how you can sort of keep yourself leveled? Yeah. Not uh, even leveled, I guess, how you're managing, how you're living with it. Yeah. Um, The, the most important person to you is you. Get that tatted. Like, people believe in tattoos. <laughs> not, not your spouse, your significant other, your mother, your father, your children. The most important person to you is you. And you got to take care of you um, because you're able to go ahead and, and give the energy mm-hmm. to your spouse your family members, your friends, without taking care of you, you're not able to give that proper energy to those people. And so um, realigning my priorities um, helped me out a lot. Yeah. So that's sort of like what you were saying, working at jobs that weren't, you know, satisfying you and just really learning like what is taking your energy. Yep. Yep. I think that's so important. Um, But to go back to like taking your energy and knowing what's important, 
that's almost you have sort of taking this realm of leading with awareness. Like you're sharing your story more now. Do you believe part of 2020 and recognizing like, okay, this person is taking my energy and they're taking a negative energy from me. And because I want to try to keep myself in a positive headspace, let me remove them from my space, but then also express to others that are in my space the real, the reality of me, the reality of being bipolar, the reality of living with a bipolar diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Like, have you taken that to sort of switch into, let me share my story now. Now that I understand it, let me tell it and tell it so I can change someone else's mind. Yeah, so um, I, I'm starting in the, a mental health company, which right now all we are doing right now is this clubhouse and it's called Rewire. And the the premise behind Rewire is to to break that stigma that's around mental health right now. Um, if you say that someone has a mental health diagnosis, automatically you're thinking, oh, that's so terrible. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. Oh, they're weird. Oh, you know what? I actually don't want to be around them because I don't know if they're going to break out or lash out at me at whatever point. And it's like. Man, I only like, laugh because it's almost like if you tell somebody, like, I just lost my favorite toy. And you're like, oh, man, you know, you'll be fine tomorrow. That's yeah. sort of like how people react yeah. when you say, like, oh, yeah, I have this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so um, I, I'm trying to help lead the charge um, for mental health and, like, mental health advocacy um i'm trying to hop on podcasts as much as possible so that i could go ahead and share my story because i know that people will see in my story something that they could find very um motivational you know and how has it been like educating your peers and your family that may have shared that same misconception and perception of people that have bipolar disorder or any yeah i think um it's been fun. <laughs> um, it's been it's been a great time, great experience. Um, what have been, if you don't mind sharing, what has been the worst reaction that you received? If you received one, sorry. Um, hmm. Or a shocking one, maybe not worse. Like hmm, I was shocked to hear get this response. I'm trying to think, like. I had, my, I think it was my brother. Um, he was like, you're not, that's not what it is. Because you're a doctor, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what it is. I'm like. So then what is it? I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'm, supposed, I'm supposed to trust you. <laughs> um, there's probably other worse scenarios that popped up. I can't think of them right now, though. Well, that's good that you can't think of them. That means it's not the forefront. Yeah. But how has the rest of the experience been? Have people been, like, receptive? Have you noticed that they've changed around you? Like, did you feel comfortable even sharing? Um, what was the last part? Sorry. Were you comfortable sharing? Um, I was always comfortable sharing. Like, for, for some reason, like, I, <clears throat> I've always been okay with talking about my story for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um, and have I seen people change? Um, you know, to be honest with you, not that I know of, like, fortunately, yeah. 
That is a very fortunate thing. Um, only mainly because when you think about it, there's people that are afraid to tell their immediate family yeah. what they're going through or their diagnosis because of the fact that they'll take it lightly, they'll poke fun, um, they'll discredit them, and that's that alone is baggage to add on to the baggage that you're trying to process. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I have this going on. I'm processing this every day. And once I share with you when you're supposed to be a loved one, this is your reaction to me. This doesn't make me feel better about the situation right yeah. now. And I'm just trying to maintain. Um, with that, I think about the different like misconceptions that our family like feeds into us as well. Like growing up, like did you have to sort of like change what your family's perception on mental illnesses were like did you have to educate immediately from the household especially having caribbean descent yeah that's a good that's a really really good question so i'm i'm very fortunate where my sister is a child psychologist mm -hmm. um so she along with me helped my mother cope and understand what it is that i'm i, I am going through and so in the beginning, my mother was like, you need more herbs. <laughs> you, you need to drink this. You need to drink that. You know, it's better than you need more church and you need more prayer and you need more Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's what many of us have gotten. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, you need more church. You need to pray more like Jesus stop, will stop fix drinking it. alcohol. Mm hmm. Um, Maybe if you stop smoking weed, like, yep, that's all those things. That's the. Yeah medical diagnosis i got from these things right yeah. um so like yeah so how was the experience with um with your mom digesting it then you know i think my sister and i don't know and I, I i do credit my sister um to talking to my mom um and helping my mom cope with things and understand things a little bit more um I think it was very impactful. I like that. It's yeah. like you had your own support system within. Hundred percent. I think I, I I give a lot to my sister. I love my sister to death, and I appreciate um, her openness. You know, to being there for me and like helping me out and things like that. I love how you had the support with your family, and you had mentioned earlier that you had told your highest in command essentially at your old job. How did you feel comfortable sharing with your job your mental state as well? Like that's not something comfortable to share with your direct management, top management, especially being a black man working in corporate America. Now you're telling corporate America this black man has this mental diagnosis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they already don't know how to act or operate with us in the workplace. They're like, guy, right, you're black. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you're going to tell me that your mental ain't right. Like, so we're going to keep our eyes on this black man. Um, let's part ways with this motherfucker. <laughs> we got we to gotta get this motherfucker like, out I know we talked about diversity quick. and inclusion, but... Um, the person that I talked to, he was the office head um, at the time. I had and still have a tremendous amount of respect for. Um, white male. Um, not American. He's British, actually. Probably why. And um, I just had a tremendous amount of respect for him and I trusted him so that if I said what I said, I knew that I wouldn't have been judged and I knew that I would have been supported. And 
it's instinct sometimes. And it's like, you go with your gut. And my gut told me that this is the right thing for me to do. I like that. You trust your intuition. Yeah. I need more people to start paying attention to intuition. That's going to be a topic for another day. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, but I am also very happy to hear that you have that support in the workplace again, because um, a lot of times we don't. But then how are you also going to find that out if you don't take that step as well? Right. Better to have more people to know so you can feel protected if anything does occur. Yeah. Um, one other question I had to ask you is. Do you refer to it as having a mental illness or do you refer to it as having a mental diagnosis or how do you refer to it at all? I like to use the phrase mental disorder. It just doesn't sound as. And if if anyone else uses the term mental illness, that's fine. I guess mental illness to me sounds a little harsh i don't mm -hmm. know like I, I just like to use the word mental or the term mental disorder rather than mental illness yeah and then if you don't mind sharing lastly um you did mention you were on medication yep how comfortable do you feel like sharing that with people or the idea of even let's say a therapist tells someone that they're clinic clinically depressed and they want to prescribe the medication mm. we also in our culture like medication no like, that's crazy. That's Western mm -hmm. medicine. You're just trying to, like, dupe us up. What made you comfortable to be like, no, I'm going to take the medication because it is serious to me? I think it's important for me to 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 know what I don't know. Oh, I like that. Oh, get that tatted, too. You got two, <laughs> two tattoos. Um, and I don't know anything about this world. Mm. So it was important. For me to listen to the people that do know and it's hard being a black person in america is very difficult in mm -hmm. especially in a man people are hitting me up on my phone right now like my watch is going crazy they know you're back in new york but no one they talks to me all day long and i get into the why. studio to do something they're like oh he's doing up. something important oh my hit him goodness. up um anyway i don't know what i i, I don't know what i don't know you know and i, and I I know, actually, I know what I don't know. I, and I, I just, I know it's important for me to listen to the experts. And what I was saying is that it's hard being black in America because of the fact that in the whole medical history of being black in America, it has been very tainted. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's scary, mm -hmm. but I know that I never, ever want to experience what I experienced before. I never want to experience that ever again. So if it's these fucking pills I got to take, pill me up, bro. <laughs> pill, pill me Just up. Just not on the future level, but yes. <laughs> I get what you're but I do... I like your perception on it, um, your perspective on it, excuse me, because I think that is a fear. We live in fear because we're not protected. We're not taking serious. So now you want me to blindly trust and go into blind faith based off of something a most likely white doctor is telling me that I need to do. And I don't know if I should trust her or not. Man, I have also this belief that God's got my back no matter what. Hmm. And so whatever you know if you live right i don't know what i was gonna say after that 
It was going to be a church line. That's how you can tell how far removed I am from church because I don't remember the church line. And I hope nobody's church auntie comes after me for that. Please, I'll think of it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> now, thank you so much for sitting down and being open with yeah, us man. and sharing your story. Here's my favorite part. What would you tell a young black male that you wished you heard when you were younger? Um, man, black men cry too. Mm, I mean, that says it all. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is something that's very important to know. But I think um, l listen to your emotions don't try to push them away um we're built with these emotions for a reason and so you have to deal with them because you're gonna have to deal with them at some point in your life um and i think that it's important for you to go ahead and deal with them earlier rather than later it's like the what's done in the dark always comes to light yeah i like that and now the hardest question right three songs that get you in or out of any mood. So whether you need to be hyped up, um, if you need to cry, if you want to work out, like just three songs. Oh, oh, you're cheating, you're cheating. I'm cheating because I, it's hard. Like, I, I know it's cheat. hard, but you're cheating. I gotta cheat, I gotta I cheat. I never let anyone cheat before. Oh, you didn't really? No. Oh, okay. okay, all right, I can't break the trend. I no. Trend. All right, all right, all right, all right. It was almost a caucus. It's hard because I'm really, I'm really bad with like song names and like. We'll find it. We'll work on it. We'll pull it up together. Um, Just be here. I'm trying to think. I right. I got like. There is. <laughs> I'm so this song. I'm only saying this song because my boy loves it. Uh oh. And I just recently like kind of fell in love with it. It's called Win by J-Rock. Hmm. I feel like I know it. Win, win, win. That's win. what I thought it was. Fuck everything else. Why wouldn't you love that song? I love that song. That song, so I mean, I just Like recently, when I want to hype myself to get out the way, get out the way, that whole part, out, don't let me be behind the wheel when that song comes on. I'm ignorant. Even if we had to stop. I'm um, another song is Happiest Man Alive by Marshall Montano. I just want to get my so track. I'm a Trini, you know. Oh yeah, he is Trini, isn't he? What's up? Isn't he Trini too? Yeah, he's he's Trini, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful Trinidadian man mm -hmm. has taken our, our our culture to a next level. For real. Um I got I got a third one, right? Mm-hmm. Man, it's gonna be hard for me to find a third one. This is so this is a a new one that I really like. I just recently found it. It's called Don't You Worry by Our City. Hmm. Okay. Um, and it's like, don't you worry, don't you worry. Don't make everything a big deal. And it, it's just, um, it just talks about like thanking God for waking up and like understanding that things could be a whole lot worse for yourself. Um, and you should just appreciate your life. And there's a, I know you said three. 
<laughs> no, you can do it. I that's a rule I've let people break. If you have a fourth, I'll let you do a fourth. There's another song. It's um, it's "Love Yours" by J Cole. J Cole. Um, it gets me every time. It really does. Like I have to skip it because it gets me emotional every like, time. Like, such a good song, but like such a good fucking song. Like, we always think in our head that there's always something better out there, and like we should go ahead and reach for more. It's it's a weird, it's weird because it's like. I believe you should always have that ambition, but you, you should understand that what you have right now is, it is sufficient. Mm. Yeah. Strive for more, but be present in what you have because yeah, what you have yeah. is enough. You because can if, always if, work towards. If you ain't present and know what's what you have now, then how do you know to appreciate what you're striving for? Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, that was beautiful. Mm. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Yo, man, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate this. I really appreciate it as well. Yeah. Well, as always, you can tune in to Black Men Cry 2, and that's T-O-O, two O's. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.